and that he created us to work together in marriages as a team. And then Mike Malik had the opportunity to speak, and he talked about how our cities are another form of community that God has created for us, and that we need to not separate ourselves from the cities, but rather to be a part of them and to tell others about Jesus. And then last week, we discussed about families and what families mean for us and for our community and how they're one of the most influential aspects of our life. And as parents, we have the responsibility to lead our children to Jesus and in partnership with the church. And so this week, we get a chance to talk about what the church is for our community. And the church is something that I am particularly passionate about. I love all of these other things, but the church is something that I get fired up about, that I love. I'm sure my wife Trina gets annoyed often when I get together with some of my college friends who I went to Lincoln Christian University with, and all we talk about when we're together is the church. That's just how our heart beats, and it's something that, that God has really given me a heart for, and so I'm excited to share with you all about the church. And so what is the church? First, we need to have kind of a frame of reference from where we're coming from here. And the church is really just a body of believers that are bound together by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's not a building. It's not a denomination even. It's not even a set of beliefs. But it's a people who are bound in community by Jesus. Sure, there is plenty of local congregations out there that have differing doctrinal beliefs. But Jesus, Jesus is the one who unites us. It's not an us versus them mentality. It's not about who can get more attendees than than the other church. See, we have a united cause. And so we want people to know Jesus. That's why we have the Clinton Area Ministerial Association called CAMA. Because we as churches in Clinton, Illinois, want to work together to be partners in this thing. Not to be against each other. The purpose of the church is best described in the the formation of the early church in the book of Acts. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, the purpose of the church is to help others grow in their relationship with God, to pray together, to remember Jesus together, for community, for fellowship, and to care for others. And that's found later on in verse 45 of chapter 2. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. But the problem with the church is that it is messed up. And it often gets a bad reputation amongst people not only in the church, but people outside of the church. Because it's filled with people who are not perfect. Bill Bright wrote an article and he shared this story, which I thought was really interesting. He says, some time ago I struck up a conversation with a passenger sitting next to me on a plane flight. As we talked, he was very cordial and pleasant, and then I asked, where are you on your spiritual journey? And suddenly he became very defensive. He said, I had my fill of church when I was a young boy. Can you believe that I was forced to attend services at least three times a week? Every Sunday morning and evening and every Wednesday night. He said, years ago, I determined that when I became an adult... I would never attend church again as long as I live. My response to him was, how would you like to live in a community where there was no church? He dropped his head and he was silent for a moment. And then he replied, I wouldn't like that. Looking at him firmly in the eye, I said forcefully, you are a parasite. And immediately he became flustered. And said impatiently, what do you mean by that? He said, simple. You want all the benefits of the church without any of the responsibility. And he slowly smiled, returned my direct gaze, and then announced for the first time in 20 years, I'll be in church on Sunday. And he ended the article by saying, before I became a Christian... I used to believe that the church was filled with hypocrites. And now I recognize that many people go to church not because they are perfect, but because they need help. The church then, in the vernacular of the business world, is a repair shop, not a retail store. The church is not perfect, but it is the institution that offers hope and healing in a community or culture. It is how God reaches out to others with his love and forgiveness. There could be any number of reasons of how the church has hurt you or wounded you or inflicted pain of, of some kind. There's really only two ways to respond to that hurt and that pain. We can forgive and forget and realize that the church is full of imperfect people just like us. Or we can harbor bitterness. We can blame it on God or somebody else. And we can run to another church and hope that it gets even better. Though that church is full of imperfect people as well. See, the reality of the world that we live in is that the church is full of imperfect people and the odds that you will be wounded or hurt by someone in it or something the church does is about 100%. We have to come to grips with the fact that the church at some point or another is probably going to hurt us because 
It's full of imperfect people. When I was at the, the church uh, attending before I graduated college and before I came here, my wife and I were invited to a small group. And it was for new married couples, and they'd been meeting for maybe six months, not, maybe not even quite a year. And we got invited to it shortly after we got married. And we decided that we'd give this whole small group thing a try, and so we attended, and uh, we were about four weeks in. We were just feeling like we had just started to make some connections with some other people. And I get a call one day from the guy that was leading the group. He's like, man, I, I am so sorry. I, I don't know how to tell you this. But before you guys joined the group, you know, we had been meeting for a while. And, and the, the couples that were in the group, they really started making this, this deep connection. They are really starting to deal with some stuff that they had never dealt before. It's been really good and and you guys came, and, and they didn't really know you that well, and so they feel like they can't, uh, they can't work through some of those things with you guys there. And he, he said, maybe you guys could take a couple weeks off. Meaning, maybe you guys could, could find a new small group. That hurts. That doesn't feel good. I, you know, I, I'm a minister, and I have been kicked out of a small group. <laughs> they later apologized, and, and they felt really bad for it. And, and you know, I kind of understand, but at, at the same time, that hurts. To be rejected. Church is full of imperfect people, and we had in that moment a chance to respond. We could have got all mad and frustrated and, and yelled at the church and left the church and whatever else. Or we could forgive and forget. A few months later, we came to First Christian in Clinton. I started my internship here. And we got invited to a new small group. And it took a while to work through that pain and to become vulnerable again. But we are so glad that we did. Just as a, as a side note, as we're talking about hurting the church and, and inflicting pain on the church, I, I want to just ask you a quick question. Are you doing more to the body of Christ or to help it because if you're spreading rumors about so and so in the church or, or you're frustrated with a decision that maybe the leadership has made at one point or another and, and you're just talking about it with other people and you're not approaching those people directly you're hurting the church you're hurting the bride of Christ and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to drive a wedge in, in between the aisles of this church and split this church. Because he knows that there is power in numbers. He wants us to treat the church poorly and spread rumors about it. He wants us to yell and scream and be frustrated and mad. 
we have to remember this church is full of imperfect people. And no church is perfect. But the good news is that we know we need help. And that's why we're here. So the church is one of the primary ways that God uses to teach us more about himself. And he knows that we can't do this whole Christianity thing, this whole living a life for God thing on our own. And so he created this thing called the church, this body of believers, to be a community for us. To help us to work together, to be able to iron sharpen iron. Because he knows that we work better together, that we need people to challenge us to where we've never gone before. And he knows that we need a community of believers. And if you think about it deep down, you know that you need it too. When we started this series on community a few weeks ago, we talked about how even though this generation and this age, we are more connected digitally, we, we have more friends, we have more connections and, and conversations and all that stuff. We're more connected than ever before, but over 50% of Americans don't have anybody outside of their immediate family in which to share joys and frustrations. The church can be that community that we need. And the reality is, is that as our church grows numerically, as we grow as a congregation, we have to get smaller. That means that we need to be intentional about developing the community because you and I both know that you can come in these doors and that you can sit in one of these pews and you can go unnoticed for a very long time. We have a large front door in this church figuratively speaking, that many people come in, especially because we're a larger church, that many people come in and check us out. But the reality is, is that we also have a large back door in which people can leave, never meeting one single person or family. And so there's two things that, that we want to do to prevent that. Because we know that people are searching for community. That people desire and need community. So there are two things that as a church that we want to do to accomplish that goal. And the first one has been happening for a long time. It's called Bible school. And Bible school was originally created to teach uneducated people about the Bible. And we study the Bible in our Bible school classes, but it's so much more than that. It becomes our community. And while those groups sometimes can be bigger than your average small group, so to speak, they are our community. And you and I both know that when you come in on a Sunday morning, it's really hard to, to really have more than a, a two-minute conversation. 
When you come into regular services, we're worshiping, we're listening to a message. There's really not a whole lot of relationship building that's happening here. And so we need to find other ways. And Bible school is one of them. And if you haven't been to a Bible school class, we encourage you to do so. It's from 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday mornings. There's six currently meeting adult Bible school classes that we invite you to attend. The other avenue that, that we hope to accomplish this goal of creating community in a church of our size is through our small group programs. And I want to talk a little bit more extensively about that because there's a change coming. In the past, we've called these groups link groups, which means living in Christ. And the model that we've used for the past several years has kind of gone in disrepair. There's not been a lot of effort put into it. Some of the groups that were originally created under the link group model have discontinued meeting for one reason or another. Life has changed. People got busy. And there hasn't been a great way to sign up for groups. And there hasn't been a great way to, to find community in small groups. And so it's been broke for a while. And so our goal is to launch a brand new small group program. For me personally, I know that I needed community, and I needed a group of people. And I mentioned that I had joined a group once we started attending here, but a couple years after joining that group, we had realized that there were some, some other younger couples who were in similar life stages that we were in, fairly young married, some having young kids, we hadn't quite had Eli at that point. And so we decided that we would start a new group, and, and it was going to be a little bit different than the Link model, which met once a month as, as a group, but we're going to try and meet every other week. And so five years ago, we started that group. And for me personally, it has been my community. It has stretched me spiritually. And I think I speak for all the other members of that group that it's done the same for them. And that's the goal of our small group program that we're launching. Is to help each other grow, to challenge each other, to do life together. Become more connected as a body of believers. And so our plan moving forward starting September 7th is community groups. And our goal for community groups is, is that we would all join together, unified as the body of Christ, and we're all going to do one study together. We're starting a new sermon series that's going to last most of the fall and most of the spring, and it's called The Story. I know Greg has maybe mentioned a little bit of it, but this series is a chronological telling of the Bible and the stories that are contained within. It doesn't encompass everything, but it, it does a big portion, and so we get a general feel with the way the Bible goes. And it's perfect for somebody that doesn't know very much about the Bible, and it's perfect for somebody that knows a lot about the Bible and has been a believer for a very long time. Our groups are going to try and meet weekly for 11 weeks in the fall, 
from September 7th to November 16th, and then pick back up in the spring in January for another 20 weeks. The difference from these groups than the link group model is that we want to give people obvious on-ramps and off-ramps when it comes to small groups, because we know life changes. And so September 7th, the weeks, four weeks following today, or following next Sunday, rather, we're going to have sign-ups for small groups in which we're going to give you guys an opportunity to sign up to be a part of this new form of community. And we're going to make it very obvious and very clear how to do that. And then we're going to take a break for a few weeks in the fall. And if life changes for you sometime in those 11 weeks, it's okay for you to leave that group. And we want to just get that out there and say that life does change and it's okay. And then we're going to have signups again for the spring groups. And our goal is that a group might, might be able to meet through the whole year, but like I said, we know that things change and that it's okay. So we aren't asking you to be a part of a perpetually meeting small group because some of the link groups were meeting for a better part of 10 years. I can't commit to 10 years of being a part of the small group and we don't want you to expect to have to do that. And so we want to give you obvious on-ramps and off-ramps into these community groups. And I know that when this church started the small group program, maybe 2004, 2005, somewhere in there, a, a, lot of you, a lot of you tried it out. Maybe got burned by it for one reason or another, or just got out, of, got out of touch with it, stopped going to your group, and for whatever reason, you stopped going, and it left a bad taste in your mouth. And I want to encourage you to maybe give it another shot. So we're going to start next week, and for the following four weeks, there's going to be sign-up cards in your bulletin in which you can sign up for these new things called community groups. And we want you to be a part of it. Not because it's our new program, not because it's a, it's a thing and we want to be able to advertise that we have so many people in our groups, but rather because we want you to be connected and to know people in this building and in this church, and in this body of believers. We want you to do life together. We don't want you to come and just be here on a Sunday morning and, and miss everybody, and never know anybody. What can true community do for you? 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And now you are the body of Christ and individually the members of it. See, for us, a small group that I just talked about that we'd been meeting for five years. For us, it was our church. We're part of this larger body, but we really felt like that small group was our church. They're the ones that helped to stretch us. 
And since we started five years ago, we've had, as a group, experienced some wonderful highs and some really low-down lows. Nine kids have been born in our group in the last five years. Some wonderful highs. Several have lost family members. Some have been sick. A lot of life can happen in that time, and it so helped to have a community of believers, people that we are connected to, to walk through those things with us together, to bounce ideas off of each other when we don't know what to do. And just like the verse in 1 Corinthians says, we all suffered when others experienced loss, and we rejoiced when there was joy. So I want to encourage you, for the next four weeks, I want, I want to encourage you to maybe give this community group idea a shot, or a Sunday school, Bible school class a shot. Don't come and just be anonymous. Don't just be another number that's in our sanctuary, but be a part of a group of people who want to walk through life together. Because life together is the way God designed it. He designed us to be a part of community. And it's so much easier because for me, those people that have been in my small group, they, they are some of my best friends now. People I didn't even know going into that group, but they're people that I've done life together with. The way God designed. And we want you to experience that very same life that is life and community. Let me pray. Father, um, you, know, you know the frustration that we can have sometimes when it comes to being a part of our church. Somebody says something, somebody does something, really ticks us off, that's hurtful. And God, I just want, just want to ask that you would heal that hurt and that pain that we've experienced, God, and would you help us to engage in a whole new way? Father, to be a part of this community that you've placed us in. Father, to seek out the community and the fellowship of other believers. God, because that's how you designed it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to have invitation time. And if you need prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we invite you to come forward as we stand together and sing a song of worship to our great God. There's one community of believers that sing this together. time of desperation and all we know is doubt and fear 
there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken generation and all is dark you help us see There is only one salvation We believe We believe We believe in God the Father We believe in Jesus Christ We believe in the Holy Spirit That is given us new life We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he's conquered death. We believe in his resurrection. That he's coming back again. We believe. So let our faith be more than anthem. Let our faith be more than anthems Greater than the songs we sing And in our weakness and temptations You believe You believe You believe the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit that is giving us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He's conquered death. We believe in His resurrection that is coming back again. Let the lost be found and the dead be raised in the here and now. The love invade, let the church live louder. God will say, We believe, we believe, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. For the power of God has torn the veil. Now we know your love will never fail. We believe, we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And that is giving us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He's conquered death. We believe in His resurrection. And that He's coming back again. We believe. God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and that is giving us new life. We believe in the crucifixion, we believe that He's conquered death, we believe in His resurrection, 
and that he's coming back again. You guys can have a seat. This morning, we're blessed to have the opportunity to come uh, to the table of communion uh, once again. And we focus our eyes on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. A lot of times when I take communion, I uh, sit down. It's real quiet to myself. Kind of reflecting on, on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. The, the pain and the sorrow. And it's just a really somber time for me. Um, not always, but that's, that's generally what happens when I, when I take communion. And I think all of us do that every once in a while. But when we do that, we miss two important things, and that's the victory and community. We forget that ultimately it's, it's Christ's victory on the cross and his resurrection three days later. It's proof of his victory over death. That's what really matters. And community is the fact that we're together here and you know, the first communion, the Lord's Supper, Jesus was, was up in the upper room, and they were eating together. And it was together, doing life together, just like these community groups Adam's talking about. And they came together, and they were talking and laughing, probably some tears. And Jesus spoke, and he said, you know, this is, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, do this in remembrance of me. Um, but it was still a joyful time. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to do two things. I want you to focus. I don't, the sacrifice of Jesus is just as important. And it's important to remember that and reflect on that. We also need to live in celebration and victory. So as you take communion today, I want you to reflect on the victory of Jesus on the cross. And then I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to share a victory that Christ has done in your life, whether it's um, today, it's a small thing, or, or if it's yesterday or a week ago or this year, or maybe some, just something in your life, a victory over sin or a trial or a temptation. So as, you, as the, the bread and, and cup are passed, um, just meditate and reflect on the victory of Jesus on the cross and share um, just how Christ has shown you victory in your own life with someone around you. I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. This is one body, your body. And as we take this bread and this cup, we know it signifies your broken body, and we are thankful for that. But we pray that we can live in victory this morning and live in victory for our, our whole lives, knowing that you have taken us sinners and made us sons and daughters. We love you so much and we just pray that, that we would live that truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.